Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Custom Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. You know, the fact that this show is called Longhorn Blitz is apropos because, as we will discuss, it was a blitz, a blitz call by Oklahoma that really swung the Big 12 championship game in favor of the Sooners. Sam Ellinger gets sacked on what technically was not a true corner blitz call, but it was a corner blitz. It was like watching your dog get shot in slow motion, watching it happen. Yeah, brutal. (laughs) Old yeller. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like watching it from the press box. And that, uh, gentlemen, that went a long way toward deciding the outcome. Texas loses the Big 12 championship game 39-27 to Oklahoma. We'll talk about that, and we'll take an early, early, early look at the Sugar Bowl matchup. That's not a bad consolation prize, getting to go down to Bourbon Street for New Year's Eve and on January 1st in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. It'll be Texas and Georgia. we got plenty of time to talk about... This regular season that was, a 13-game season with the 14th game to come. Plenty of time to talk about the Sugar Bowl. We're going to spend most of today talking about the Big 12 championship game. Let me bring in the rest of the team. I am Jeff Howe. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Uh, doing real well, and you sound like quite excited for this one. Um, not excited, but I've got a lot of, uh, just a lot on my brain. I can hear the energy to, in your voice. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, there's a... a a crap. I hate using this word because it makes me sound unintelligent. There's a crap ton of energy <laughs> in AT and T Stadium on Saturday. Very, very different from a normal Texas OU game. There was yeah. not state fair in the Cotton There's Bowl. It's like a bizarro world. Version. More mm, the environment leading up to it. Very more cor- as I described it to Rod. More corporate. More buttoned up. But mm-hmm. once you got into the flow of the game in the stadium, uh, it felt like you would expect a championship game between Texas and Oklahoma to go a man who played in four texas ou games during his career never played the sooners for the big 12 title because that was when the big 12 you know had their house in order and had 12 teams and two nice divisions <laughs> and a, a good format for a conference good championship. except for the they got it wrong every year and it should have been texas and ou every single year <laughs> had you been going by the current <laughs> uh, by the current system yes it would Big 12 never gets anything right nevertheless played that two big 12 championship games uh, lifetime longhorn 2002 utl american 2002 semifinalist for the jim thorpe award fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and 40 acres where he earned his degree. When he gets his T-ring in, he will wear it proudly, but nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program. But number one in your hearts, hearing him on the horn on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3, Mr. Rod Baberson. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, no problem. Rod, you and I broke this game down uh, on the Rodcast on Monday. Uh, I've talked about it in Hornets 24-7. A lot of different ways you can go with it, but let's talk about the sequence that I referenced. Uh, It's one of the most drastic shifts in momentum you'll ever see within the span of three plays in a football game, Kyler Murray to CD Lamb for 54 yards. It looks like Oklahoma's going to have a first and goal. And at that point, uh, they're up 30-27. to 27. You figure if they punch it in here, it's a 10-point game. Then if you're Texas, you're really behind the eight ball at that point. But Gary Johnson, gentlemen, makes one of the most hellacious hustle plays you'll ever see on the field. Yeah. Comes up from behind, knocks a ball loose. Brandon Jones recovers. Texas has the ball. And then two plays later... What ended up being really for Ruffin McNeil, the absolutely perfect call against the perfect formation. They get a safety. It's 32-27. Oklahoma getting the ball back with the free kick. Uh, right at that point, it just seemed like the life almost got sucked out of the Texas side of AT&T Stadium. After you literally go from the highest of highs where you're thinking, mm-hmm. hey, three-point game, Sam Ellinger's getting the ball against this Oklahoma defense. This is right where you want to be. 
and a couple seconds later, it just falls off the cliff. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I love that uh, Trey Brown, the young man who ended up getting the the sack uh, slash safety. He said that was the first time that he had been called uh, to you know blitz uh, in that formation in that uh, that defensive uh, call that audible or whatever it is. And I know you'll break it down, and explain it. Uh, but also, Andrew Beck says, "Hey, man, I saw it on film once." Uh, even Sam Ellinger remarked, "Hey, I didn't see it on film a lot." And to me, that pretty much encapsulates, you know, my take on the game. And I did pick Oklahoma. I thought it would be a closer game. Obviously, I thought Tom Herman would cover. That didn't happen. All the trend said that would. But Oklahoma, they they outcoached Texas, and it, and I'm not saying that to be you know malicious uh, about Texas, but they came in with. There were certain adjustments they had made from the first game and the first matchup in this game. And honestly, all those little tweaks, and they were small things. They weren't big things. We can talk about on the offensive side and defensive side of the ball. They made small tweaks that, honestly, Texas did not make on the offensive side. I say defensively, I like Todd Orlando's game plan, and I think he made adjustments. And we'll get into that from the first matchup. But you look at what that, that and we talked about Ruffin Gnil, all right? He was one of the factors that. He was going to play a major role in the second matchup, but he was not a big factor in the first matchup. Well, it turns out, you know, that you know that gambling philosophy of Ruffin McNeil, that high-risk, high-reward philosophy, it paid off big time for him. I mean, who's, why would you call uh, that, that defensive call? Why would you make that call when possibly that corner who's guarding Colin Johnson, who's been torching you for 170-something yards, a Big 12 championship record, when you're going to leave him matched up on a safety, and if Texas can read it right, if they if the communication doesn't break down, and we can talk about that too a little bit later on, then Texas has an easy chunk yardage play, and they've been getting those all day, every day. So, you know, I give props, Ruffy McNeil. But Trey Norwood, who was playing corner, they moved him inside to play safety. So he played nickel most of the time. He was matching up on Lil' Jordan Humphrey. That was big. That was a new wrinkle they added. Um, they also used their their 40 personnel. They used a four-man front with three linebackers in the game most of the time. I mean, they, they didn't really play a lot of nickel and a lot of dime, maybe out of necessity, whatever, but it allowed them to be tougher. It allowed them to be more stout against the run against Texas. Um, also, you go look at, you know, um, and I talked this, about this too, on the breaking of the tendencies. You know, with Texas, uh, they didn't really do a lot offensively. Well, I say do anything new offensively. And maybe they figured, hey, we beat them last time by running downhill on. That's what we'll do again. But I think that was a mistake. They didn't have a counter. They didn't have a counter for whatever new uh, challenge or adjustment that Oklahoma presented. And they did. They presented some. I just went over a couple of them there. Texas didn't have a counter for it, and they should have had a counter for it. And I think the counter for them was just, hey, we're just throwing it to Colin Johnson. You're going to leave him one-on-one on the outside. We're going to take it all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. And that's fine, but you end up getting sucked into playing Oklahoma's game there. Yeah, You end up turning into kind of a shootout, and Oklahoma's like, all right, they're going to shoot it out. We're going to be ball control. And they almost switched positions. Yeah. Where Texas should be in the ball control offense, Oklahoma became the ball control offense. So I just thought Oklahoma had a better game plan. It was, uh, it was more comprehensive, and I thought they took – they took the time to make more adjustments, and Texas didn't really have any adjustments. Not saying it was vanilla, but it was the Texas game plan that I had seen pretty much for the last since Oklahoma, actually. No, yeah, and then I, I want to give Matt credit, Matt, and I'll let you go real quick, but I want to give you credit because since we started this podcast, and for those of you who don't know, Matt's a daily fantasy guy, heavy into the NBA, and it really dovetails nicely when we talk about Big 12 football because, Matt, you for years, and it's funny now to hear defensive coordinators talk about it, it's all about – pace of play and number of possessions and mm-hmm. it seems like now that Lincoln Riley game plan was all about look as long as we just have more possessions than they do we'll be fine at the end of the day and it just it, it played in Oklahoma's hand and, and now you know one thing I, I want to mention though I think this is why everybody sees now why does Tom Herman like to defer the coin toss because if you can get the ball at the end of the first half and they get it right back at the beginning of the second half you, it, you're, it's money at that point. Like you're, you get, you gain another possession. So Matt, when you talk about Oklahoma going more ball control, it's almost like you're assuring yourself. And with the way things played out, look, regardless of what happens, as long as we don't turn it over, we're going to get more possessions than they do, and we feel like we're just going to score more points than them at the end. Yeah, because if you get way. more plays, you can really dictate the tempo, and that's whenever it's more of not. You know, you hear the stat in forty plus runs for Texas, and fans will be like, "Well, that doesn't mean just run the ball and you're going to win." Is like, no, but it means that the game script is. 
going to play out in your favor. If you have the ability to choose to run 40 times, you're dictating tempo, you're making your offense go wear out their defense, and it just really sets the game environment to where you get to dictate those terms. And then when you talk about the counter, it's funny that you brought it up that way, Rod, because it was literally after the first quarter, only the counter run. It was like we saw the inside zone, outside zone from Ellinger, and then it was, okay, Texas ran a counter off of it, but that was about the only difference that I saw throughout the beginning of the game. Those worked, but it's just the chess pieces that we talk about and the ability there late in that game to come up with a call that played off of what all the tendencies were and understanding your own tendencies is so big and uh, played like Gary Johnson to put Texas in that position so big and then to get it reciprocated. This was just sort of the highest level of execution that we saw from both teams, both teams making good plays. It was just Oklahoma ended up making more plays than Texas. I don't think we're giving enough credit to uh, the defense. Reference. I watched a lot of Oklahoma film and Oklahoma fans will tell you this too. That was the best Oklahoma's defense has played all year long. Yeah. I was blasted him. played all year long. And you spot on Texas so, Tech 2008. It was like, yeah. I remember Ruffin so, McNeil doing yeah. it to Texas. So maybe then. it's now that he's been, I don't know, the defense coordinator for six, seven games, and now they're starting to really acclimate to that scheme or whatever. But that was the best they had played all year long. So you got, I, I don't think people are giving enough credit. Lincoln Riley didn't win this game. Ruffin McNeil won this game. Yeah. You know, no, nobody wants to give credit to that. I Lincoln agree, Riley man. was held to four. I love Todd Orlando's game plan. He held him to uh, less than 40 points and held him to 3.2 yards per rush. Hell, if I told you before the game you'd get that from Todd Orlando's defense, you'd go, I take, I'll take it all day, every day. That that defense, they played better than we expected them to play. That was the thing. That's the largest deficit Texas has lost by this year. Yeah. And that, that, and that defense, we said, was the most atrocious defense in the Big 12, arguably. Like, it was that bad. Kansas defense was better. Texas Tech's defense was better. Iowa State. So, now, this defense won that game. So, I don't think anybody's giving enough props to that defense because we had been dogging them all year long, and they deserved it. But, honestly, they made enough plays to win that game. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way it comes down to it in the Big that. 12. We'll talk about the defense here in a minute, but, Rod, to your point about – Ruffin McNeil being the X factor more so than Lincoln Riley. If you look at Oklahoma's explosives, and Matt, you ran down the explosive numbers mm-hmm. and adjusted points per game, all that stuff. If you look at Oklahoma's most explosive plays, they had two plays that went over 28 yards the entire game. One was a 46 yard pass from Kyler Murray to CeeDee Lamb on their first touchdown drive. The other was the 54 yard completion that ended up in a fumble. So, really, mm-hmm. you essentially held Oklahoma to one play, one play mm-hmm. over 28 yards all day. You, I don't think, look, is, is the defense without fault? No, because we, we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but. You couldn't have asked the defense for Texas to do a much better job than what they really? did. Well, and that's where the modern game, like you see the variance in these scores more so than before, and it's affecting the betting market more than it ever has. You see the same either blowouts can come really quick. So, like, you look at this ball game at the end. It's 30-27. You have a great play by the defense by Gary Johnson. The offense is what sets up those final 12 points to make it not cover mm-hmm. and it's not it's just because in the one game sample those last few minutes it played out that way it isn't always necessarily as bad as you think or as good as you think in certain situations but I think your point about Ruffin McNeil couldn't be any better because that's one of the guys that's as familiar of highly efficient yeah. offenses in anywhere and, and the air raid culture it, of the exactly yeah. and I mean the, the second when I heard about him last week I was like that's weird because the last time I, I just see Ruffin McNeil it's up in the booth with Tech doing Cole McCoy's faces as a stunt all game confused at what's going on in front of Good them. Point. Texas getting safeties in the end zone with Cody Johnson in that game. Then this game happened. It just eerily similar that games swing on certain defensive plays like that in a highly offensive culture. Let's look at Ruffin McNeil from this standpoint, though, guys. We talked about this last week, Rod. I brought it up here on this podcast. I brought it up when I was with you on the Rodcast. I talked about it on the site. The difference in the Oklahoma defense was it was more high risk, high reward. They were blitzing a lot more. They just hadn't been getting the reward. And it's not like this defense was very sound. I was talking to no, uh, I was little, talk- little Jordan Humphrey lined up uh, uh, with Curtis, Curtis Bolton, Bolton guarding him in the end zone. <laughs> That's nonsensical. I, I was talk I was talking <laughs> to uh, one of my best friends in life, Chris Dukes. He helps run the uh, fan site at Oklahoma site, and, and actually we're talking on the way over here. And he said, we we're talking about some of the stuff. He said, if he said, did you hear Caleb Kelly's explanation for the, the strip sack and the you know the scooping score he got on Will Greer? I'm like, no. Apparently, Caleb Kelly said he was supposed to be engaged with an offensive tackle, 
And apparently his explanation was, well, the tackle fell down, so I figured I'd just go get the quarterback. Went rogue. Why, why are you having your 230-pound linebacker engage with an offensive tackle anyway? Break it. Yeah, yeah, so, that's a good point. So it's, from the get-go. Right. So it's not like this defense was sound. And like I said, was, do you credit Ruff McNeil with the blitz call? Yes, but – and. and to get into how that call developed, like I said, it was not a true corner blitz yeah. in the sense we think of. Like he Rod, called a Rod, when you blitz. See, when you hear a chop call or you yeah. see a chop call, you know you're going. Yeah. The blitz is supposed to work with whatever the formation is, a certain defender, you basically check to that blitz. Yeah. It just so happened that for whatever reason, in the formation Texas was in, that Trey Brown was the guy that was supposed to blitz. Yeah. What I want you to get into, Rod, is and you explain this better than I've heard anybody explain it. There was some I don't know if you want to call it miscommunication or miscommunication yeah. between Sam Ellinger and Colin Johnson. Oh, Colin, yeah. But if Texas picks that up, oh man, you've got a safe you've got a safety playing seven yards off the ball on Colin Johnson. And it might end up being a touchdown because well if you're good. at home, yeah. you probably get that communication. Like it's, it's be, just simple yeah, communication. One on one. It's basically yeah. What happened was, I mean, and Sam Sam did everything he usually does. He's checking with the wide receiver the before to make sure there's anything he wants to communicate about something that the wide receiver seen either downfield or what the linebackers are doing. Mm-hmm. So Sam looks over there for like a second, then looks back to the formation, then checks the other side of the formation. So he's looking ready to make his checks. He never ever checks again. With Colin Johnson. And why should he? Colin didn't communicate anything with him when he looked at him the first time. But as soon as Sam snaps his neck back to the formation, Colin starts yelling and screaming. Go look at the place. Mm-hmm. Yelling. He's pointing. He's, I mean, and it's, it's probably loud as hell in there. They set a record for attendance yep. at a Big 12 title game. So it's loud. It's crazy. Longhorns and Sooner fans mingling amongst each other. And he just didn't see him. And what did T- Tom Herman say the biggest factor in Sam Ellinger's development was? He said it was trust. He said, Sam now trusts his teammates that if they they have a job to do, they're going to do it. And, mm-hmm. hey, you're supposed to be at this spot, so I'm throwing it to that spot. And I think he just trusted Colin Johnson that, hey, he had nothing. Ch- he would definitely tell me if something funky was going on, mm-hmm. this guy was going to blitz. And it was just well-timed by Trey Brown, too, and well-disguised because as soon as Sam snaps his neck back to go back to the other side of formation, that's, that's when he starts sneaking. That's when Colin starts screaming and yelling. But Sam never looks back. It's a play-action fake. So he's got, like, I think it takes him 2.2 seconds, I read, from next gen to get there. Sam takes about a second and a half for that play-action fake, and he has less than a second to react when he sees him out of his periphery. And it's, it's, it's too late. So it's just that slight little half a second you know what I mean? Like, that's the difference. I mean, that's football. I tell my girl, that's football in a nutshell, baby. Yep. That's it. Like, that's it. It's a game of inches. It's a game of half a, milli- half a millisecond. Mm-hmm. And if Sam just, you know, decides to even peek over there, he sees Colin Johnson freaking out. Mm-hmm. It, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He never looks back. He, he, he's focused on something, and that's how quick it happens. Yeah, and that's where, I mean, call, man. we've heard, it's you know, Tom, call. Tom Herman talk about it all season long, too, about with the new rule changes in the first play after a change of downs mm. in the second play. And this was the second play the second after a change of downs. So it just was in that that you mm. know that every single snap we've heard him talking about, well, you know, we have Sam reading it. They're going to read it before. He's it. taking and ownership it, of the And it's offense. cost Texas so many yeah. per, or just quick five-yard delay game penalties. So you know that mentally it's there that he's looking for. But like you said, in the situation, it just happened to be that, okay, neutral field might be just loud enough that you don't. Don't hear it, it or you don't see it in that home. I think it was when the in, crowd gets quiet. If I'm not mistaken, it's closer to like the so- a bunch of Sooner fans, I believe. The too. OU band was down at that right. Yeah, like that's all you need. It's weird how crazy those yeah, margins are. And matters. I mean, and but in the original Texas OU, that always matters, right? It matters yeah. if you're who, what end of the field you're on well, going in, and it matters that on the play before. I mean, wow. when does Gary Johnson making an unbelievable play? Like I couldn't believe what I was watching because you just saw a missile come out of nowhere when he forces that fumble and just how different. Everything's viewed if say oh, they yeah. go in score and then it's just that safety and then the possession when it's five and then it's no, it up to twelve everything. it changes it everything, everything so much right there. It was it's the just biggest a game play of, of the game and it wasn't even close. I mean because as you as you guys have pointed out astutely, it's not only is it a turnover because you give the ball back to them, but you addedly just kind of threw in two points to them too. That so makes a it points possession driven lead. Two touchdowns you needed now. Them, yeah, you gave them the points and the possession. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, and then that, I would say next after that, and then Jeff points this out too, before the half and then right after the half, that's also killer for you. Yeah. Because they, in terms of possessions, they get a, a score they in 41 seconds, they get a touchdown, and then coming back in the half, they get that touchdown. That is a game changer for, for Oklahoma. It was a game. So I think those two sequences, and it, the emotional high that Texas was on after that Gary Johnson play, trust me, you, you cannot discount that. 
in terms of how ex- exhausting um, it was for Texas to also give it right back with three two plays later because mm-hmm. they get the turnover. They're like, all right, this is it. Run. And, and, as Jeff pointed out, everybody's high. I mean, they are riding high. They got the emotion, the momentum, and then not only that, it just completely shifts. So it just took the air out of the team. They they never recovered. All right, time for our first break on the show. But when we come back, it's more Texas OU talk. So do not go anywhere. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. There's yeah. also another sequence I want to talk about where I really felt like Texas lost this game because anytime you're dealing with Oklahoma and you start playing from behind, you, that's just a hole that you might not crawl out of and you know there's a, probably mm-hmm. another run coming. And once, For me, once Texas lost this opportunity to really kind of break this game open or have it swing in their favor heavily, I, I didn't feel like their chances to win for the rest of the day were very good. And what I'm talking about is Texas is up 14-6. Uh, Oklahoma gets the ball with 11.22 to go till halftime. Uh, and they go three and out. Trey Sermon, one-yard run. Uh, an incomplete pass to uh, Hollywood Brown. That was the deep ball that Hollywood Brown drops. They overturn it on a replay. Uh, and then uh, there's a play that's short of the sticks. Devontae Davis made a hell of a play uh, to, oh, yeah, to, to get Hollywood to Brown night, down yeah. short of the mm-hmm. mark. Uh, Oklahoma punts. So Texas gets the ball with a 14-6 lead, having just held Oklahoma to force the three and out. You've got the ball with 10.06 to go until halftime. If you're Texas, this is where you go for the throat. Mm-hmm. This is where... You know, you put your foot on the accelerator and say, all right, this is where we go build our cushion, like you did in the first game. What happens, that first play of the next drive, it's a 10-yard pass, Ellinger to Johnson, and then Keontae Ingram rushed for no gain, Ellinger rushed for two yards, Ellinger sacked for a 10-yard loss and a punt. Right after that, Oklahoma goes six plays, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Mm. Texas gets the ball with 5.01 to go. And keep in mind, at this point, Oklahoma has no timeouts, but Texas ends up punting, gives Oklahoma the ball back with 59 seconds left, and in college football, with the ability to stop the clock on first downs, you give Kyler Murray 80 yards with a minute to go, yeah. that's an eternity. Oklahoma yeah. goes down and scores. So really, in the span of 10 minutes, you go from being up eight with the ball to being down six going into halftime, and Oklahoma gets the ball right back to start the second half. Agreed. You're mm-hmm. done. Yeah. You're yep. done. And you, you let them possess that, that final possession of the half to where it gets to flip back over to where it's like if you're just successful and let it play out the way you want to, you consume that time of possession, and then who knows if you get the score or not. But just keeping them off the field keeps you within that score where you can maybe survive a safety late, but you can't do that whenever you book in the end of both halves with ineffective quarters. You know, Yeah, you can't afford to waste a stop. Yeah. And, and Todd Orlando got you stops. And I, that's why I, Sam Ellinger, I agree with him saying this is only offense you know what i mean like we when, when you get stops texas wasted stops that todd orlando gave them and then their stops you know were I mean? giving them points exactly <laughs> field, you, know, you know what i mean exactly you know what i mean and, and that's the thing too when you're able to hold them to field goals i believe without the kneel down you take away the kneel down for oklahoma both teams had 10 possessions mm-hmm. all right and i think oklahoma ended up getting uh was it uh Four touchdowns, three field goals. Uh, I don't three. know. Three, three touchdowns, three field goals, right? Mm-hmm. Two punts. Is that what we're talking And then the two points. And then top. the two points, of course, too. And then Texas end up getting three touchdowns. They miss a PAT. Uh, they get two turnovers, uh, two punts. You know what I mean? Like it works out where basically in the possessions, in a points position league, and Tim Herman said mm-hmm. it, they got field goals out of some of their drives that died, and we didn't. We got no points out of them. That's the game. And that's why Texas, early on, it felt good because Texas led 7-6. to You had the number of possessions in your favor because you got the ball first, you got scores, you held them to field goals. They had two effective drives, yet we're still trailing Texas. But then, once you get into that second half, the gameplay started to just favor Oklahoma. Texas had four touchdowns, four punts, two turnovers with their 10 possessions. Oklahoma, four touchdowns, three field goals, and at fumble... Along with it, too. Remember, they had the fumble, and then they had their uh, two punts. So, yeah. And they closed with all those TDs because their first two field goals, it was when it was 7-6. to six. Early yeah. on, Texas was effective, and then Oklahoma just kept the pedal to the mouth. Yeah, just four punts to two punts. I mean, it sounds crazy, but, mm, I mean. Deduce it that way. In a nutshell, and then we don't yeah. have a super punter anymore. <laughs> also, yeah, special teams hurt Texas. I mean, we don't talk about that enough, too. You had the shank punt. You had the uh, the little Jordan Humphrey mm-hmm. touchdown call back because of a hold. Forgot about uh, that. Totally. You know what I mean? Like, you had the, pa- the block catch. 
block PAT, the kick catch interference. There were like four plays on special teams that that ultimately hurt Texas. Yep. You know, in terms in terms of it being a real tight game. Punt, if you pin him back down, he was in the five. five. He was yeah. inside the five, and I think he ended up being on the twenty or something after that. So there were just little things. But getting back to the 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 Lincoln Riley, you know, the Lincoln Riley versus Todd Orlando matchup. Listen, I thought Todd Orlando had a great game plan. I read. I thought it was masterful. I thought it was great. I mean, you're talking about. Holding them to 3.2 yards per rush. You held them to below their points per game average. They were averaging 50. I think Both you held times. them to 39. You held them to below their total yard average. I mean, And last year to Baker, the, the only person under 30. Like, this is consistent Orlando versus Oklahoma. Both times against the best offenses Rob, ever. Before, before you yeah. get to your point, you know how many explosive runs Oklahoma had in this game? One. One. Yeah. A 15-yard 15 run by Kyler Murray. That was it. Yeah, I mean, the average 254 yards rushing, he held on a 129. Here's the key, though, all right? And I wrote this down because I watched, I watched the game again this morning, all right? I got no life. I got nothing to do. So I watched the game this morning. You know what the, the wrinkles they added? We talked about the wrinkles on defense and the adjustments. You know what they did on, on the offensive side of the ball? This is, this is beautiful. Cal Katerra. You know how many <laughs> snaps Cal Katerra played in the first matchup? Not very many. Didn't seem like it. Two. That's it? That's Two. crazy. And one of those was on the catch he had on the first drive. And it was a drop, remember? They targeted Because Chris, Chris Boyd yeah. made a hell of a play. You know, I mean, you know he plays and he play like in the his second matchup. Probably almost all of them. Mm-hmm. 33. Two touchdowns. All the the guy only downs. had four touchdowns going into the game, had two touchdowns in this game. Had 22 receptions going into the game, ended up with three receptions in this game. I'm telling you. And you they, talked they, about they, pregame. I talk, I, and I, I brought this up all week long. I said they're gonna just outnumber Texas in the box. Yeah, that's why. That's why everybody wants to run twenty personnel. Those H backs. Or yeah, or twelve personnel. He, they ran twelve personnel a ton. They ran twenty one personnel. You. Two backs, one tight end. But they would just spread them out. People didn't notice. Like no, they spread out. Or they would run twenty personnel. I mean, the first matchup, they ran two backs in the backfield. Either way, H back or twenty personnel, forty eight percent of the time. In the second matchup. H-back, 20 personnel, 21 personnel, 57% of the time. If you add in 12 personnel, two tight ends, they ran 65% of the time. They had eight men in the box. They had five offensive linemen. They either had two running backs or two tight ends. And if you add the plus one mm-hmm. of Kyler Murray, sometimes they had nine. They ran the ball nine more times, I believe, for 93 less yards. Because what they understood was that, we gotta win the battle of physicality. It's almost like why we tell Texas you gotta you gotta run it forty times even if you ain't even if you're not really being productive in the running game because it sets the tone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, that's the that's the physicality. They wanted to win the physicality edge. They did it with personnel and formation. Tons of Calcutta. It was a Calcutta and Meyer. Only a, every now and then they'd mix it up and run you know four wide receivers or ten personnel and then they throw in some eleven. In the first matchup they ran a ton of ten personnel, a ton of eleven. They also fell behind. So they couldn't run their power packets like they wanted to. So maybe Calcaterra got hurt or something. I don't know. But they, when they got behind, they didn't run the power package. In this game, they wanted to assert their power. Yeah. Their O-line was their that, – that's their advantage. They added to it. They, they decided to double down on the advantage. Let's go tight ends. Let's go running backs. The first matchup, they made the mistake of trying to match Texas's speed because Texas went dime with that dime package. No, 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 that's wrong. Counter Texas's speed with power, and that's what they did. Yeah. Texas would be as fast as they wanted to. They still kept running the rock, running the rock. Calcaterra in the red zone. That's what they did, man. They and, were, and I said they would run. They would run. They would, this is exactly what Oklahoma State did and West Virginia did, guys. West Virginia and Oklahoma, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State ran it. They had, they had two backs in the backfield. And not just a full back. No, I'm talking about two tailbacks in the backfield. All right? They ran it 51% of the time on Texas with two backs in the backfield, 20 personnel. That's all, that's all Lincoln Ryan did. He watched the same film. I'm watching and going, well, hell, I'm definitely doing a lot of that. And then he watched Texas Tech. And what did Texas Tech do? They threw it deep. You know how many times they threw it deep on Texas? Like ten times. Wow. They just chunked it deep. Ten times. In the first matchup, they didn't chunk it deep ten times. And out of those ten times, there were four incompletions, four receptions, two P.I. calls. Chunk it deep on Texas. Tech did it because they had six, six, and six, five wide receivers. But still, Texas DBs don't play the ball well. So throw it up. So, man, it, 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 honestly, you just watched film and made some of those simple adjustments. Two backs in the backfield, 20 personnel, more of that. Deep shots, more of that. Calcaterra, more of that. And those two feed off each other whenever yeah. you have a guy like Calcaterra. He, that makes, can, you mo- he makes you multiple. Mm-hmm. I can run now. I can go from 12 to I can go from twelve to 20 to 21 just because that one guy's on the field. Texas adjustment should have been, you know, Texas has Andrew Beck, and he's basically a, a mire to us. He's a fullback, more of an H-back, and they use him really well. First team all Big 12 plays, been really, really good. But he ain't a tight end. 
Cade Brew and Reese Leitao are tight ends. They're more of the, the Mark Andrews there and the go. Cal Cateras that can be matchup nightmares, spread them out, five-tool tight ends, flex them, do whatever. I don't know why Texas ain't breaking them out yet. That would have been a great counter in this game. You want to run the ball more against those smallish linebackers of Oklahoma? How about you just put more bodies in the box? That's what everybody's doing against you. That first Sam Ellinger touchdown where you ran more of a heavy personnel look, Come you on, overloaded man. it on the left side with Brewer and Danny Young, and then it's real quick, it's Sam one-on-one with a safety, which if you're Texas, if you're Tom Herman, hell, that's a matchup in the red zone I'll take all day, every day. Well, yeah. and when you have somebody like Cal Katerra that's so versatile that you can bring him in and he basically can be a fool's gold for three different positions for the defense, you could see at times that, I mean, even though OU wide receivers were confused on where to line up because the whole idea is to confuse that's the exactly defense right. and then when you have somebody like Calcaterra it's like the way you brought it up the first time years ago and how basically Aaron Hernandez is the coach's dream for like say of oh, yeah. offense the way that it, you had Urban Meyer doing it back then but you look now it's the same way that you see somebody like Gerald Everett with the Rams doing it now that he can come in you can motion him in and he can be your power blocker but he can get yep. any mismatch and then he can be that moving piece and it's going to open up the pass game where now you see him out there you intend some type of play action and now they're hitting you top over with the deep yeah. ball so it's just great scheming and adjustment by Lincoln Riley based really off was. of the first matchup that you had and understanding and building upon it and I like I mean Texas is talented but isn't as talented with some of those pieces as Oklahoma so that's where you got to make sure you find the pieces recruit them and fit them into the box the way you want the way that say Texas doesn't have that Calcaterra piece necessarily yet Rod to, to your point um, about Oklahoma wanting to establish themselves in the physicality battle, uh, doing it on first down with the run game. And again, Oklahoma's run game was not great. No, it wasn't down it. But you look at their rushing numbers on first down, they ran the ball 40 times. They ran it 19 times on first down, so Damn. almost half their carries were on first down. Crazy. Gained 75 yards, so they're right at... Um, about their 3.9, right at four yards of carry. Well, in this game also. Day. That's crazy. I didn't realize that's a hell of a stat. If you look at passing yeah. downs. That was the way set the tone. Texas had been so good in passing downs and held Meyer. It was Murray one for two. For, had an interception. It was 24 yards the first game. In the first game. This game, very different. It was a 11 of 15 for 160 yards, no sacks, and no interceptions. So You know a prime example of that? That last drive. Mm-hmm. Just well, being able to find what they drive. need. Yeah, but that's what it is. In yeah. passing situations, Texas still wasn't able to be effective. And that can, you can scheme guys open, and then you can have players making the right reads. And that if you have those working together the way Oklahoma does, unlike any other, they're going to be really hard to, to stop. To Jeff's stat that he just brought up, which is a great stat that I'm going to use on the show today, um, look at that last drive right for Oklahoma. So they get the ball, I think it's, I don't know, like eight minutes or something like that left. That drive takes 67 yards, 11 plays, six minutes and something off the clock. They have eight runs and three passes. They only they have they only pass on third down. They have three third downs in that drive, and they only pass on those three third downs. And I think they're all third and longs. But to match point, they, you know, Texas in those third and longs, they don't put pressure on Murray. They, the corners are playing off the mm-hmm. wide receivers, and they're playing cautious. Mm-hmm. And Mary's just is able to – he connects, and then they keep the drive going. But on first and second down, of, of every one of those plays in there, first and second down, they run the ball. Mm-hmm. And they only throw when they had to on that play, on, you know, on that drive. You know what else Oklahoma did, Rod, going back to Lincoln Riley calling – I thought this was – you know, we talk about Ruffin McNeil winning the game, Lincoln Riley not necessarily. I thought the, of the five times Lincoln Riley's faced Texas, this was by far the best game plan he's had. It was a good, it was a great game plan. One other thing that they did, and they started doing it more so when, even when Caden Stearns was in the game, but when he left the game, they started doing more of this. They started making those safeties cover in one-on-one situations yep. with their play calls. And, and one of the plays that really sticks out, you talk about that drive. There's a third and nine at the Texas 31, mm-hmm. and you get Lee Morris yep. isolated on B.J. Foster. B.J. Foster's going to be a hell of a player by the time he's done yeah, here. Yeah, he's a true freshman. But if you're Oklahoma, that's a matchup you want. Yep. That goes for 13 yards, and you move the sticks again, you're in the red zone. And the t- t- touchdown to Calcaterra is on yeah. B.J. Foster. Yeah. They wanted him matched up. And the first touchdown to Calcaterra, I think, is Brandon Jones. It's like a fake and uh, play-action fake, and that kind of he blocks and then releases. But I'm with you. I think they did target the safety. I think they targeted the safety from the beginning. Remember, they go deep on Caden Stearns. They wanted to get – for some reason, they thought they could, they could get deep on all they of They went deep guys. on Brandon Jones, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they, they yeah. thought – because I think they understood if I can't get the, the reception, the P.I. is just as likely in this conference. 
yeah. because the refs are just that bad. I, I you think, know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, they just are. Yeah, and, and let's talk about that because I know yeah. everybody at this point in the show is like, why haven't you guys talked about the refs yet? The refs I screwed know. Texas. Well, it's an epidemic across you college do, sports. You yeah. do set Texas does tie the Big 12 championship game record for most penalties. Mm. They set the Big 12 championship game record for most penalty yards. Some of those were questionable at best. My problem with the officiating is this. In a league where your officials are constantly criticized, if you're the Big 12, why are you going to do something that lends yourself to more criticism by putting together an all-star crew, and I use that term loosely, say of officials where it's guys that graded out the highest at their respective positions on the field. It's like a Pro Bowl offensive line. Rather than be as oh, that's a together. great point. Great point. And I hate when the NFL does this, too, because the NFL, the NFL uses the same model, and I hate it. I don't know why you can't just use the highest-graded crew. Yeah. Mm, to officiate the championship yes. games. Teams, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. NBA does it that way. A lot of sports do it that way. It's I, weird when I they do that. it that way. I hate that. I would rather – because especially especially in this league for football, I want a crew that understands, you know, maybe that, that headlinesman knows what the back judge is thinking and, and vice versa. It's just you work together. You call games together. It doesn't yeah. take as long. Familiarity. The, the replays were cumbersome. Like I, I'm still waiting for somebody to explain to me on the Chris Boyd face mask where Caden Stearns gets the interception oh, and the end zone off the tip ball. I'm still waiting for somebody to explain to me what they were reviewing. It's, I'm with you. No, I, I still don't understand that. Yeah. And they then they raced it like 10 minutes for no reason. I think they must be trying to get more commercials into the game. I've no moved idea. Moved the review center on the field and homeboy's just looking through it. Dr. Pepper must be paying for that crawl across the right? bottom of the screen no, or something. I don't know what's going on. The initial explanation the referee makes, he says, prior to the interception, go yeah. back and watch it. He says, there is, whatever, face mask yeah. on the play, blah, blah, blah. And then he gets to go back and look as to when the face mask took place uh, because sense. if it took place before the interception, in the gates, the interception, like, well, you just said it happened yeah, before the interception. But, Why are you wasting our time? But then he says the call on the field was, in, was an interception. The previous play is under review. Like, but you just said, you just said the penalty yeah. was before the interception, yeah, before change of possession. And so I think, I what think are you they just got They're into just, a uh, yeah, whole laundry list of following their normal protocols, and it was like, well, it's still a turnover, but I already went and said that this happened before the turnover, so it shouldn't be a turnover. But yeah. I already, So I just think they got confused, and then we're looking under them and be like, well, I have nothing to look at because I'm dumb and just said it was before. And then right. because <laughs> you're reviewing the every turnover, so they thought they were had to review the That's turnover, right, but he just true. defined that I it did, was never it was turned over because, because it the, never happened. And why did it take ten minutes? So, that's, point that's being, a, that's they, the I think question. they were confused or reviewing something they didn't want to be. I, I agree with Craig. Well, I think the game because of the Big Twelve culture of offense, the game is like exhausting these guys mentally and physically, yes. and they may need just help. They may need to just try to help out these officials. You need to go 10 officials on the field? Whatever it is, yeah, the Big 12. But the big, I agree with that. The Big 12 is faster than most conferences. Agreed I mean, it's, fully. T- it's moving way a whole lot faster. And the worst thing about college sports in the officiating system is that it's still at, at the top of the top in the NFL and all these sports. You have to be graded out and be effective. And the thing is, is when those go away, there's always a new crop that they will come and take from wherever they can that from are successful. From the college game, usually. And exactly. Yeah, so then you have a never-ending cycle that you have new guys and guys that have and always work together, and then they're always being cropped up. So it's just something collegiately that's going to be in there for a long time. I, I, I would like to see the the Power Five conferences, the Power Five leagues, pay their officials to where their Report. officials can be full time employees. Yeah, give them their own little union and everything. Yeah. Like, hey yeah. man, we're gonna hook y'all up. We just need y'all to. Well, this is this money in this. Crap. This is God. the this is the fabric of your game. And Matt, you just stole Report. the words out of my mouth. You're making enough money to where. Yeah, you know what? You don't have to, you know, be a, a part-time lawyer or whatever. Yeah. We'll pay you whatever. Just give Agreed. them the hundred and ten thousand a year, whatever it is. Because the product, it's hurting the product now. Yes. And I'll tell you, when sports gambling goes nationwide, state to state, mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot more consequences and repercussions for you know. I mean, unfortunately, because people are ridiculous. Yes, yeah, a lot of money going to be at stake. So I agree. They need to. The NFL's got to deal with it too, because the NFL game's starting to look more like the Big Twelve. At this anyway. point, you're adding <laughs> commercials for reviews. Just the money. TV money you get from those commercial breaks during these reviews probably pay, pay these guys. Yeah, yeah, just a couple national ads. I it. understand you. You know, it's tough to do it. In like you know, your some of your group of five leagues, or like the Southland, your, yeah. your FCS leagues, mm-hmm. or whatever. But Power Five, the Big Twelve, the Pac Ten, Pac Twelve, the Big Ten, Agreed. the SEC. You should be able to pay your officials full time. It's hurting your product, man. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So when you look at this game, guys, as we look at it as a whole. Everything we've talked about, I think Texas Rod's going to look back at this game. Tom Herman's going to look back at this game and say, you know what? We weren't terrible in any particular area, but 
we weren't great in any particular area either. Um, and when you look back at the first game, point. you were great. Your red zone offense was great. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was, a, there, was a, was... there was a period in there where your defense was great for against three, Oklahoma. For, for 50 minutes. Right. <laughs> so that's when you're playing – one of these top tier teams, man, you've got to have stretches of play. You can't have poor stretches of play, but you've got to have a stretch where you're just freaking awesome and everything in all three phases is clicking. And that never really happened for Texas. Well, let's all admit this too. Coffee is for closers, and I love this team, but they don't close. No. All right. Coffee is for closers, and they should be drinking tea because they don't close. They just don't. Uh, they've been outscored in the fourth quarter by 73 points, I think, this year. Uh, Oklahoma alone has outscored Texas by, what, 30 points in their two matchups combined. So it's something, something's going on there. I don't know if it's, and, and maybe it's a, maybe it's a myriad of things. You know, maybe it's mm-hmm. a, adjustments and maybe it's like strength and condition is in there and depth, uh, you know, talent, all that kind of stuff. But they got to figure that out, man, because they've been sounding out finishing all year long. And unfortunately, that's something that's been a consistent, uh, kind of, Unfortunate uh, uh, statistic for this team is they lose the fourth quarter. I think they've won two fourth quarters all year long. Yeah, and that's it. It was even worse last year. And we were talking about this pregame, and it's like, yes, this team has not been consistent now compared to last year. And that if we're looking at the Tom Herman era, last year Texas was consistently inconsistent. It was just erratic, and yeah, by every game you were going to blow yeah. it because you couldn't put together it, yeah. even a couple quarters. It was schizophrenic. Good. Exactly. Yeah. So you had a good quarter or two, but like you've seen this team actually finally be able to be consistent within games and have good performances, but still to have the signs of a younger or a team that's building that still has inconsistency throughout. And you see that in these one-game samples. And if you have one inconsistent quarter, if you're just bad one quarter, it can skew the outcomes in these games. And Texas is much better this year because last year you were losing all of those one-possession games. This year, coming into it, what, before this game, it was something like 7-3 and and one-possession games by the end of it. Texas actually performing pretty well, but still we can point – at areas of You're inconsistency, right. and that's the big part to add on top of that. Well, we saw that Ellinger sort of became consistent. Like, that was something you could mm-hmm. trust. You started to see the offensive line wasn't going to just be horrid. It was going to just show signs of competence, so then that can allow the rest of the players to be in a situation to flourish. Yeah. So you see the building, but still the result's not fully there. The thing was is at the beginning of the year, if you say Texas plays are you in the championship game, you know, you're like, hey, that's a pretty good season, and that's about where you're at. It's yeah. a pretty good season, but it still leaves you hungry enough to know, okay, they can still get better, and that's what fans hope for. To Matt, to your point about a program that's growing, this is a coaching staff that's still growing, and there's three fourth quarters I want to point out. The fourth quarter of the Baylor game and the fourth quarter of the Iowa State game. What do all three of those opponents have in common? None of those opponents have air raid DNA in their offense. Very true. And Texas had leads in all three of those games. Mm-hmm. So you can almost manage, look, let's just take as much time off of the clock. It doesn't matter if don't we score. Let's just make sure we play great red zone defense, mm-hmm. hold them to field goals, yeah. don't turn the ball over, and we're going to be fine. Yeah. And against conventional offenses, you can manage it that way. You try to do that against right. West Tech. Virginia. Yeah. You try to do that against Texas Tech. Yeah. You try to do that against Oklahoma. That's not going to work. Highest yeah. level of offense, you can't play that way. But I mean, you can still try to survive the, it, but you're strikes. admitting you're trying to survive it yeah. at that point. The quick strikes. The quick strikes. That's why, yeah, against K-State, uh, mm-hmm. Iowa, even Iowa State, great offense, right? But they're not quick strike. Those quick strike offense, when they can score in less than, less than two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're a 21-point yeah. lead in the fourth quarter. You know, it's not as safe as you think. And just like we talk about with possessions and quantity of plays, you got 60 minutes in there. If they have the ability to score in a minute, that means that even if you're late in the ball game, they still have a lot of opportunities if you give them the ball. And that's why it is all about possessing the football as many times as you can and then worry about winning those plays first. But yeah. if you have it and they don't, they can't do it. And it sounds simple. But it's a huge part of the battle. I just want to run down some numbers in the fourth quarter to your point about playing quick strike offenses in a fourth quarter. Uh, the Oklahoma game outscored 21 to 3, outgained 179 to 78. Now, Oklahoma State, you were much better, but keep in mind that was Texas throwing the ball and having to come back. I was say, yeah. They outscored Oklahoma game State 14 to 7, outgained them 128 to 36. West Virginia, you were outscored 15 to 10, outgained 150 to 135. Texas Tech, you're outscored 24 to 14 in the fourth quarter, outgained 270 to 159, mm. and then on Saturday, outscored 12 nothing, outgained 149 to 166. When you have a chance to get these air raid teams down, these teams that in two minutes can turn a game on its head and get it right back in their in their favor yep. with their ability to go down the field, 
you've got to keep your foot on the gas the entire 60 minutes. I yeah. think that's something that this staff will look back and say, yeah, there are certain games that we can manage the way I think Tom Herman ideally wants to manage a game. Mm-hmm. And there are some games where you got to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and you just got to keep keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing until you cross that finish line. Yeah, I mean, we saw it against Oklahoma the first time. Texas had a 45-24 lead, and boom, boom, boom. Oh, Oh, wow, right there. Six minutes. All right, it's time for us to wrap this thing up and put it in the oven, and we will do that on the other side as we close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Herpes and L works when you have a cold sore and works when you don't. If you haven't tried this for cold sores, you're missing out. Herpes and L penetrates deep to treat cold sores. It really works. I apply it as soon as I have one. Herpes and L also protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold with added SPF 30 protection. I use it in the winter and in the summer to help protect against flare-ups from sun damage. Herpes and L works when you have a cold sore, works when you don't. Use as directed. Where are you going to celebrate the giving season? Skiing on the slopes, basking on the beaches, or hunkering down at home by the tree? Well, wherever you are, there's no better way to say happy holidays than with custom cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And right now, you can get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at vistaprint.com. Let me unwrap that deal again for you. That's half off every one of our holiday cards and calendars. There are hundreds of our newest card designs to choose from. Whether you like a splash of festive greens or the flash, of luxurious foil and you can create a year's worth of joy by personalizing calendars with memorable pictures and a few key dates you never want to forget got a favorite picture we have photo gifts for any budget like custom canvases mugs and more in fact you can even upload a photo to vistaprint directly from your phone how simple is that so get merry get jolly get 50 percent off all holiday cards and calendars plus save on other photo gifts at vistaprint.com just enter promo code holiday that's vistaprint.com promo code holiday Hey guys, good news. The expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And now get your first month supply for just $5 at 4hymns.com slash happy. Hymns connects you with real doctors online who can prescribe the medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. So easy. To get your first order for just 5 bucks, you need to go to 4hymns.com slash happy. That's 4hymns.com slash happy. See website for full details. Not all services through the Hymns platform are available in all 50 states. Gold Bond salutes all you fixers out there. Fixers of wobbly chairs, squeaky stairs, and drippy faucets. Folks who can fix just about anything, except dry cracked hands. Whoa, that's bad. Man. Say hello to Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. More than a lotion, it precisely fills, soothes, and protects rough cracked fingers and knuckles. 91% said cracked skin felt smoother in one day. Yep, feeling good. Gold Bond Crack Skin Cream. Find it at First Aid at Walgreens. When I have a cold sore, I want something that works. Purpose and L penetrates deep to treat your cold sore, and it's enriched with lysine, vitamins, and lemon balm for soothing relief. But even when I don't have a cold sore, I still want something that protects against a flare-up. Purpose and L protects against certain triggers caused by the sun and cold, including flare-ups from sun damage with its added SPF 30 protection. So it treats and protects. Works for me. And me too. Purpose and L works when you have a cold sore, works when you don't. Use as directed. Where are you going to celebrate the giving season? Skiing on the slopes, basking on the beaches, or hunkering down at home by the tree? Well, wherever you are, there's no better way to say happy holidays than with custom cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And right now, you can get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at vistaprint.com. Let me unwrap that deal again for you. That's half off every one of our holiday cards and calendars. There are hundreds of our newest card designs to choose from. Whether you like a splash of festive greens or the flash, of luxurious foil and you can create a year's worth of joy by personalizing calendars with memorable pictures and a few key dates you never want to forget got a favorite picture we have photo gifts for any budget like custom canvases mugs and more in fact you can even upload a photo to vistaprint directly from your phone how simple is that so get merry get jolly get 50 percent off all holiday cards and calendars plus save on other photo gifts at vistaprint.com just enter promo code holiday that's vistaprint.com promo code holiday Where are you going to celebrate the giving season? Skiing on the slopes, basking on the beaches, or hunkering down at home by the tree? Well, wherever you are, there's no better way to say happy holidays than with custom cards, calendars, and photo gifts from Vistaprint. And right now, you can get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars at vistaprint.com. Let me unwrap that deal again for you. That's half off every one of our holiday cards and calendars. 
There are hundreds of our newest card designs to choose from. Whether you like a splash of festive greens or the flash of luxurious foil, and you can create a year's worth of joy by personalizing calendars with memorable pictures and a few key dates you never want to forget. Got a favorite picture? We have photo gifts for any budget, like custom canvases, mugs, and more. In fact, you can even upload a photo to Vistaprint directly from your phone. How simple is that? So get merry, get jolly, get 50% off all holiday cards and calendars. Plus, save on other photo gifts at Vistaprint.com. Just enter promo code HOLIDAY. That's Vistaprint.com, promo code HOLIDAY. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. All right, well, look, like I said, we just wanted to spend most of this show recapping the Big 12 championship game. Uh, we've got a couple shows before the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. Uh, our next show, we're going to take more of kind of a 30,000-foot view of the season, and then we'll spend one show breaking down, breaking the, down Sugar the Sugar Bowl in the Superdome on New Year's night. Gentlemen, I got a feeling that's a bad matchup for Texas. Hell, I love it. It's a hell of a test. I think it's a perfect test for Texas after this season. This is a perfect barometer. If you're Tom Herman, it's exactly what you want. Yeah. You want to see where you stand? You want to see YouTube? how physical you are? You want to see how physical you are? Let's go up against a team that's taking the only team that's taking Bama, all right, to the fourth quarter, to the last possible seconds of the fourth quarter, two years in a row. Mm-hmm. You want to see if you're ready? A, a, a Nick Saban disciple? This is the way to do it. So I love the matchup. I, it, it could end up being an Old Testament-style butt-whipping, but I think it's a great matchup text. They need this matchup. Any other matchup, honestly, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's sexy and I wouldn't be excited about it. I'm really excited about it. You want to see if Tom Herman can really coach? Mm-hmm. Because the, he not, I don't, they're not going to oh, have really a talent yeah. advantage or any other kind of advantage there. in that game. You, it's going to be schematic. It's going to be game plan. you got a month to do it. So I didn't see any wrinkles in the, re- in the week before when you had David Beatty helping yourself scout or whatever the hell you were doing. I didn't see any wrinkles for OU. I better see something different versus uh, Georgia. Now, if I don't, you're going to get bludgeoned. Some old man wrinkles. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're going to get bludgeoned. Kirby Smart and that staff, they're not going to have an intricate game what? plan. They're going to try to line up and run it right down your throat yeah. behind a big, nasty yeah. offensive line, and they're just going to try to get after your butt with their front seven yeah. on defense. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun, man. You said it's weird, but like outside of like national championship games, like this bowl game is about as big. Because like back in the day, yeah. oh, no, we didn't want to play Ohio State in 08. You wanted to be in that, and at this point, you're getting to play a team that deserve, feels as if they should be in the playoff You know, on their end. Now, that's also when you get lesser production from those type of bowl teams, which could play in Texas's favor. And then the cool ass part that you just go and meet halfway in the middle between Austin and Georgia. Well, let's go to New Orleans, take each other on. It's a stomping ground area. You know, you have the whole belt of NFL talent and that game's going to be huge for recruiting. All right. We'll talk about it more on our next show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Uh, You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019-AM-260. Streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt. You get us anywhere you get your podcasts and always find our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.